Welcome to the Kelly Mental Health Podcast. This show is about mental health. It's about not being afraid to talk about the things that make us anxious, sad. It's about not creating stigma for things that we all go through. In this episode, we're talking about mask anxiety. And mask anxiety is something that's happening right now because of the pandemic. When people put on the mask, even if it's for a good reason, it can cause a physiological and psychological response that makes us uncomfortable, panicky, scared, and for some people, we may even feel like we're going to die. And so in this podcast, we're discussing how to deal with mask anxiety, giving you a whole lot of tools and tricks such as self-soothing skills, deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, and others. Thanks for listening. All right, well, here we go. Welcome to our Mask Anxiety webinar. So I'm Linda Kelly, I'm CEO and the owner of Kelly Mental Health, and I am joined by Kelly Graham. She is a social worker, a psychotherapist that works at Kelly Mental Health, uh, specializing in trauma particularly, uh, and works a lot with anxiety. So uh, I myself am a social worker and psychotherapist. We're based out of Thunder Bay, Ontario. Uh, Kelly Mental Health is a counseling facility. We have a variety of talented and experienced therapists, and one of whom, obviously, has been so gracious as to donate her time here today. Well, you're on the clock. It's fine. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little bit of screen sharing just to get into our presentation. So this is probably going to go full screen on you, just a heads up. All right, so here we go, mask anxiety. Uh, this webinar is being put on by Kelly Mental Health also uh, with partnership with the Kelly Mental Health Foundation of which both Kelly and I are board members. Kelly Mental Health Foundation, we try to put out a lot of uh, educational resources about just psychology, um, things like anxiety management skills. And uh, we partner up with Kelly Mental Health because those are the ones that actually do the therapy, whereas the foundation, we try to focus more on teaching. So this is uh, our main building. We're so excited to be back open. Um, everyone here during the presentation is muted for your own well-being. And of course, you, have your, you can have your video on if you like, it's up to you. We're doing our best to keep this under an hour because it's being recorded and we're gonna upload to YouTube after the fact. And honestly, if it's longer than an hour, it's gonna take me about two weeks to upload this to YouTube, so. Um, during this presentation, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. The necessity of wearing a mask, unhelpful thoughts that influence anxiety, how to identify anxiety and panic, and the most important parts, the self-soothing and grounding skills. And a couple of things that we'll touch on as well are obviously questions and answers, if you have some of those for us, and also uh, just a blip at the end about supporting children to wear masks without fear, because that itself is kind of a whole other topic, a whole other presentation, so we're gonna give you some ideas there.
We know now that the purpose of wearing a mask is to reduce the transmission of viruses through the droplets that are pushed into the air around us when we're breathing, coughing, talking, and any time that our lungs are propelling air. The general understanding of this virus is that it's mostly transmitted with droplets and not necessarily airborne. But the fact is we still really don't know. So there's many people that disagree with the mask directive and uh, many others that may not even uh, agree that the pandemic is a danger at all. And that's not up to us to decide. We're not virologists at Kelly Mental Health, uh, but we are seeing and feeling the effect that the mandatory mask orders have had on our clients and even on our staff. As therapists, we wanna to go to bat for our clients. We wish that we could just go out there and change the whole situation, uh, make everything go back to normal and we can keep doing what we do best. But this situation is so much bigger than all of us and it won't go away so easily. So our job is to help you feel better and more in control of what's happening. We do this by helping you understand more about what's happening in your body and your mind when you feel threatened. And there's more on that later. I like to say in therapy a lot of times that there's four ways that we address any kind of a problem, whether it's you know, your shoe coming untied to uh, not being able to pay your bills. You avoid it, you change it, you reframe it, or you accept it. You can only avoid so many things for so long and, and avoidance does work, it, it does, until it doesn't. You can try to change things. You know, if you don't like your neighbor, maybe you move. That's actually changing your situation. Um, but a lot of times change is out of our hands and we can't do anything about that. We can't change the fact that a pandemic is here. And right now we can't change the fact that we have to wear masks indoors. So the other ways of dealing with it are gonna be about reframing it, thinking about it differently, and ultimately accepting it. While some cities have made it mandatory in all public spaces that uh, masks have to be worn, others are just hoping people will catch on. This is particularly difficult for people that have social anxiety or generalized anxiety. We're seeing nonstop posts on social media from both sides and uh, it's really confusing. So some people will use terms like sheeple and followers if you wear a mask uh, and those people while very likely speaking out of frustration, or unfortunately adding to that feeling that whatever you do, it's wrong. And others are shaming people for not wearing masks. I mentioned in one of our podcasts that, one, that my dad was in Home Depot last week and he told me about how um, upset, to put it nicely, he was about the fact that he was the only person there wearing a mask. For those of us with social anxiety, the idea of sticking out like a sore thumb and having people stare at you for wearing a mask uh, or for not wearing one when everyone else is covered up or for wearing it wrong, it can be absolutely debilitating. And I can't say this with enough seriousness, it can create this psychological paralysis for people. And for some of us that express our frustration through anger, we can unwittingly make the situation much more difficult for ourselves and for everybody around us. So this webinar is not about explaining the pros and cons of wearing a mask. It's about addressing mask anxiety, which is the feeling that you get when you have to put a mask on your face and it makes you feel like you're suffocating. It's about making the situation easier on ourselves by using the techniques taught in therapy that help us all to relax and ease our stress. 
And the techniques that we're going to talk about are the ones that myself and Kelly Graham, we use them in our therapy sessions and the, the rest of the team at Kelly Mental Health, we use these on a daily basis. So if you do decide at the end of this webinar that you would like to book a session for yourself, you, know, you would benefit from a little bit more personal touch with learning these. Uh, you can always visit us online, kellymentalhealth.com. We are providing sessions in person, but we are also providing as many online as we can to make things a whole lot easier. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the unhelpful thoughts that influence anxiety. We, 100%, all of us have unhelpful thoughts. Um, sometimes we call them automatic thoughts. Uh, they're actually a wonderfully adaptive part of our inner monologue. Uh, our automatic thoughts are the quick reactions and responses that we develop uh, almost out of a sense of routine. You know, when your brain goes, yeah, I've been here before, I, I get this, I don't have to think much about it. So it's like when you have chest pains, your automatic thought might be that you're having a heart attack. Uh, maybe another automatic thought might be that you just ate too much or you have gas. Um, for some of us that have self-defeating or self-critical thoughts, um, one chest pain can quickly jump to plummeting self-esteem because your brain can jump from chest pain to gas to shame for overeating and then calling yourself a complete and utter failure. Automatic thoughts are incredibly quick and you, you can't often trace how quickly it jumps from one thing to the rest. Sometimes it's just the stimulus, the chest pain, and then a feeling of I am wrong, I am bad. So or when your dog barks, your automatic thought explains away the event so that you don't have to give it much more energy. Then it's just maybe uh, you could just say it's another dog walking by outside because uh, that's what you've learned from situations like this in the past. But a distinctly unhelpful thought in that situation would be hearing your dog bark and automatically thinking that someone is breaking in and wants to hurt you. One automatic thought will explain the incident and allow you to move on unscathed, but the other one will cause an instant negative reaction. And a big part of our interventions with cognitive behavioral therapy is interrupting those automatic thoughts and deconstructing unhelpful beliefs so that you can see the reality more clearly. So let's talk about some adverse reactions. Uh, maybe watching too much TV has convinced me, or maybe too much Grey's Anatomy has convinced me that having chest pains means I am 100% on my way to having a heart attack. And don't even get me started on what happens in my own mind when I have a really bad migraine. It's, it's bad. Just those assumptions, they jump and jump and jump. So what does it mean when it comes to mask anxiety? Do any of these sound familiar? I feel dizzy. It's too hot. I'm going to pass out. I can't breathe. Everyone is staring. I must be wearing this wrong. I have to scratch my nose and I'm not supposed to keep touching it. I'm terrible at this. Everyone is doing this wrong and someone will die because of me. Or worse, I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to die. So when I put on the mask the first few times, this is what I felt I was looking at. And it, if that isn't just a resounding, I don't know what is. It felt overwhelming. I felt like all I could see and feel and notice was just the mask on my face and everything else was blurred. But the thing is that when I put it on, I was in a state of anxiety. 
That means my body and my mind were on guard against an imminent threat. And our bodies, being a product of evolution, still react the same way to stress, whether it's coming from a hungry bear chasing us or from our own embarrassment when we say the wrong thing and worry that somebody doesn't like us anymore. They're the exact same physical responses. And in this case, putting on a mask is not just about covering your face. It comes with so much baggage that we're all still trying to process. So whether you're doing it right or wrong or for the right reasons, uh, whether or not it works at all, or if yours fits right, or pinches, or pulls, or if you'll be uncoordinated, if you fall into something, or if people will be able to hear you, or if someone's hard of hearing and, and you know, you've got your mouth covered, does that make you a bad person because you couldn't uncover your mouth or get the little window piece? There's just so much. It is so heavy. And the people that feel this anxiety the most are usually the most empathic. You feel these things because you care. And that's a good thing, but it can be very distressing. So I want you to know this one thing. Mask anxiety is nothing to be ashamed of. It is 100% normal to feel overwhelmed, overstimulated, and overcooked when you have to wear a mask with that much baggage attached. So here's where the skills come in. In therapy, we learn what anxiety is, how to know it's coming, and how to keep an eye on it throughout the day so that you can take steps to keep yourself calm and cool. And one of the earliest interventions is very simple. It's just a scale. So we ask you, on a scale of one to 10, rate your anxiety right now, where one to three is just that sort of physical tension. And then uh, maybe four to seven is where it starts to become more intense, a little bit uh, more, more exacerbated. And then if it's eight to 10, you're basically into a full-on panic. You're, you're quite emotional. That logical part of the brain has closed itself off to you and you are all emotion because that is survival. So again, for those of you that don't know the terminology, Kelly will go over this in a little bit more detail of what exactly is anxiety? How do I identify it? Um, it's usually just physical tension to start off as a one or two. It's like a state of readiness, like you're expecting a phone call. You can't leave until it comes. Usually the neck, uh, stomach, or shoulders tense up. I know my shoulders tend to be pretty tense. Time starts to slow down. We barely notice it at first, but when our muscles are being held tightly, because our bodies are getting us ready to escape whatever threat is on the horizon. Well, that's exhausting. So our adrenaline rises. We become more irritable, jumpy, emotionally charged. As the anxiety rises, we develop tunnel vision. So the better to see you with. Our hearing becomes sharper. Our hearts start thumping. Our breath becomes shorter and faster. I hope this is not making you anxious right now. It's kind of making me anxious. But these are survival skills. These are skills and instincts that kept our ancestors alive. So don't ever feel guilty about having anxiety. Anxiety is a response to danger. But these responses don't really make sense if the situation is just about putting on a cloth mask at the grocery store, right? So again, I say anywhere from seven to 10 can be managed with some psychological strategies like deep breathing, grounding, using a self-soothing kit. But once you're aid and beyond, 
it feels like your insides are sprinting while your outsides are standing still. And that's when it feels like all you can see and all you can feel is the mask and everything else is very threatening. So in that case, a lot of times removing yourself from the situation is the only thing that you can really do to make it better. So now that you've heard my stories and seen all my memes, <laughs> I'm going to pull in the real professional, Kelly Graham, who is a therapist herself, again, specializing in dealing with anxiety and trauma. And Kelly is going to tell us more about how to identify anxiety and panic and some of the most effective coping skills that can help you with mask anxiety. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Gave you control of the microphone. <laughs> so as Linda said, when you're in the first few stages, it's a lot easier to try and implement these skills before you get to an eight, nine or 10, where your mind isn't there and you're not thinking clearly. So the important thing to help you realize that you're in those stages, is kind of knowing what your anxiety symptoms are. And these can be different from person to person. Um, I know me, it's my stomach that usually gets it going instead of my heart. So really kind of being able to identify what, of, what ones of these symptoms work for you and kind of are your anxiety. So you can feel nervous, restless, tense, kind of like on edge, just want to jump out of the seat of your chair, have that sense of impending danger or doom, like something bad's going to happen have an increased heart rate, your breathing starts to become more rapid, uh, sweating, trembling, even feeling kind of weak or tired. You'll find that your legs can even kind of feel rubbery or jelly-like. You can have trouble concentrating or thinking about anything than the mask or anything that's causing your anxiety. Anxiety can cause you to have trouble sleeping because you're focused on and especially when you're trying to turn off your thoughts at night that's when the anxiety is like to creep in because you're not doing anything <laughs> um, you can also experience gastrointestinal problems so upset stomach even diarrhea or constipation can be a sign of anxiety you can have difficulties controlling that worry and you'll just sit there and kind of spiral in your thoughts and you can have the urge to avoid things that trigger anxiety so, you know, a lot of people with mask anxiety are like, okay, I'm just not going to go inside anywhere. I will just try and avoid it so I don't have to wear a mask. When in reality, that might not be, be able to. You know, you need to go to the grocery store if you don't have anybody else for you. You have to be able to kind of do these things sometimes. And even if you don't have to, it's nice to try and get out, especially while you can, while the numbers, at least in Thunder Bay, are so low you know we don't know what's coming why not try and get out while you can and instead of letting this anxiety over this mask kind of control you and hold you back so I'm going to go over a few different coping skills that you can try so the first one is self-soothing using the five senses so there's two different ways that you can use this uh, the first one is using it to kind of soothe you. You can even make a toolkit out of items that will help you with this so you have them ready or even just knowing kind of what fits into each category for you. So the first one is sight. So this could be looking at something kind of soothing and relaxing. So 
a picture of a beach or if you have a picture of a loved one that kind of you feel calm with you can kind of have that at the ready so looking at that make you think okay I kind of feel safe I kind of feel relaxed looking at this nice picture second one is sound you know you can do guided relaxations or even just cranking up the music that you like and getting really into that because then you're focusing on that instead of wearing a mask the next one is smell. So this is actually a really big one. Um, smell is actually one of the most kind of triggering senses I find for me. And, you know, if you're smelling something that's nice and calm, your brain is thinking, oh my God, anxiety, anxiety. But then it's getting this nice smell in and it's like, okay, but we're getting something that tells us that it is okay, that it is calm. And one way that I've actually seen people incorporating this is by spraying your mask with a scent that you like. So lavender, different essential oils, obviously leaving it to dry because you don't want to like suffocate yourself with all these smells. Um, but then when you put on your mask, it'll have that kind of nice little scent and aroma that brings up those relaxing feelings. The next one is touch. So as you can see, Jude made another appearance on the slide. So this is different depending on where you are. You know, if I'm at home, I can sit here, I can pet him, he'll be happy with that. And I kind of find this soothing and relaxing. But if you're kind of out and about, you can do it in other ways. You know, if you have rings or a piece of jewelry that you like to kind of fidget with, kind of focus on that, you know, really kind of feel your ring, all the indents, all the grooves, and just kind of focus on that. See, I rubbed him, now he wants more. <laughs> it's soothing for him too. Another thing, especially with masks, is making sure you have a mask that's a good fit and a good fabric. Because even if you have something on your face that feels kind of itchy or irritating, that can add to the anxiety. So making sure you have a mask, whether with the ear loops or that tie behind if it bugs your ears, that really kind of feels more comfortable on will help as well. And then the last one is taste. So this one is, once again, really good to help kind of distract you, but soothe you as well. A good example I use is Aero chocolate bar. If you break off one of the squares, put it in your mouth and just focus on that. You focus on the taste of the chocolate and you focus on feeling the bubbles melt. So that kind of gives your brain a little distraction and something else to focus on too. And you can also turn this into a game. You know, if you're out in the grocery store and your mask is on and you're starting to panic, make it into a game. What are five things that you see that are blue? What are four things that you hear? What are three things that you smell? What are two things that you can feel? And obviously taste, depending on where you are, you probably might not have anything to taste unless you have gum or something like that. But you can also change that into what's one statement that makes me feel calm or what's one thing that tells me I'm going to be all right. So the next skill that I'm going to talk about is distraction. So the initial urge to panic is kind of like a wave and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, later too, but it feels very powerful. So you kind of have to surf the wave until it starts to go down. And distraction is a thing that can help you pass the time until that happens. It can also completely just distract your brain from what's making it think it's in danger because you'll be like, oh, look, a piece of candy instead of focusing on that. So this could be, you know, if you're with your significant other, your friend, getting them to help distract you, having a conversation with them, 
um, trying to find different things in the store, even playing games on your phone. If you have kind of a list of distractions that you can do when you're out and about, then you won't have to try and think them up on the spot. So that can be really helpful as well. Um, another skill is paced breathing, and you can also pair that with some muscle relaxation. So basically the cornerstone of fighting off anxiety is deep breathing. So it's really deep breathing, like right into the belly where you feel your belly move kind of up and down, like, no, you're not breathing hard enough. But usually you can see his belly kind of go up and down and that shows that you're really breathing deep and into your body. So, you know, trying to slow down your breath because especially if you're thinking, I can't breathe. And I know this happens to me the first few times I wear a mask is, oh God, I can't breathe. It's getting stuck on my nose. And it's really important to try and make sure that you slow your breath down. If you slow your breath down, it slows down your heart rate and it lets your brain know we're okay, we're not in danger, the body is okay. So you can do that. There's many different like gifts that you can see online, like a little square that's like breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold. So there's different things you can do, but basically just taking deep breaths in, holding it for a few seconds, and then letting it out. And you compare that with muscle relaxation. So the long form of muscle relaxation is, I like to start at my feet. And what you do is you tense up that muscle as hard as you can, and then you relax it, and then you tense it up again, and relax it. And while you're doing that, when it's all tensed, you pay attention to how the muscles feel, how it feels being strained. And then when you release it, you feel, oh wow, like a lot of the tension's out. You might feel like your foot or whatever part you're doing it on is floating. And really just paying attention to how the muscle groups feel as you go throughout that. So the long version is you could do, you know, your feet, your calves, your thighs, your butt, going all the way up every muscle group of your body. And that's really good if you're having trouble sleeping, actually. But even if you're just out somewhere, you can do little parts of your body. So even if it's just making a fist, obviously not at anybody because you don't want to do that, but making a fist and relaxing it or tensing up your arms. And that's actually a way that you can use that skill and it is less noticeable to kind of other people around. You know, they're thinking, what is she doing? You could just do that subtly, kind of tensing and relaxing. And you know what you're doing, you know what you're focusing on and nobody around you can really notice. So the next skill is checking the facts of the situation. So we have to make sure that when we're feeling an emotion, especially anxiety, we have to see if it fits with the situation and if our anxiety intensity fits with the situation. So you look at the facts of the situation, you know, what event triggered this emotion? So the first one is obviously wearing the mask, whether it be, I feel like I can't breathe, I feel like I'm gonna die, this reminds me of a past trauma of mine. And then think about kind of what interpretations or assumptions are being made about this event. So if it is you're wearing a mask, you're kind of thinking, okay, I can't breathe, or this trauma's happening to me again, or I'm never gonna be able to get it off, or I'm gonna pass out, kind of all of those thoughts that Linda was talking about earlier. But then you have to really think, does the emotion and its intensity match the facts of the situation? So I mean, if you just look at the facts of the situation, it's just a piece of fabric, it's just a cloth, and it's just wearing that. 
So is it really logically makes sense for that to cause so much anxiety? Logically, it doesn't. Obviously, it's something kind of new and it, it is scary being in a pandemic. So that can cause a little anxiety, but it shouldn't cause an overwhelming amount of anxiety. So when you realize, okay, my anxiety's up there. I can't really change the situation. I have to wear a mask. So I'll check the facts and now I have to change my emotion. There's another good skill that you could do called using the opposite action. So this is acting opposite to what you want to do or what you want to say. So think about if you're angry, you want to fight, you want to scream, yell, throw things, but that doesn't help the situation. It just kind of escalates it. So what you would have to do using this skill is act the complete opposite way. Try and remain calm, try and act calm, and try and talk calm. So when you're thinking about wearing a mask, you know, you check the facts and you go, okay, I need to change my emotional response. Is expressing or acting on this anxiety going to be helpful? No, it's not going to be helpful to you. It's not going to be helpful to anybody around you. So then... If you look at the little thing on the bottom, that's actually really cool. So our thoughts influence our feelings and they influence our behaviors. All of those three influence each other. So our thoughts about the situation, we can try and try to challenge, but it can be a little bit difficult. Our feelings, once again, we can try and challenge and calm, but sometimes that can be difficult. So this skill is focusing on changing the behavior. So what you want to do is you want to take off the mask, you want to run out of the store, you want to hyperventilate and let out your anxiety. So what this one does, and it's not suppressing the emotion, but it's trying to, you know, fake it till you make it. It's trying to pretend, okay, you know, I want to rip off the mask, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave it on. I'm going to go through this grocery trip and I'm just going to pretend like I don't have anxiety and act like I don't have anxiety. And this is acting all of the way. So facial expressions, posture, even what you're saying and thinking. So you can't go along smiling thinking, oh my God, I need to take this mask off. I'm having anxiety. But trying to even focus on your thoughts going, I'm okay. I can do this. This is okay. I'm not anxious. I'm not panicking. So it's a way to kind of act the part until you follow up to the part. And then the last one that I'm going to talk to you about is riding the wave. So there's actually a really good quote to kind of explain what this is. And I didn't want to change it, so I'm just going to read it out to you. So one way of thinking about our emotions is to think of them just like an ocean. If you imagine the sea, you might picture it as flat, calm, and blue, or as a crashing surf or small rocking waves. Just as the ocean can change, so can our emotions. With the ocean, it is the weather that might cause these changes. High winds or still sunny days can make a difference to how the waves react. In our, fam or in our lives, things that may affect our emotions can be problems with friends or family, stress about school, or things that happen in our environment and around us that may affect our emotions. Sometimes you can see a storm brewing that might whip up the waves. Other times the change may happen with little warning. But what we know for certain about the sea and about our emotions is they chop and change. 
So like waves, our emotions may at one moment be calm and serene and at another rocky and angry. We might float along on a happy emotion or be swept away by anxiety. We might experience small emotional ups and downs or a big wave of sadness and hopelessness might dump us. We can let our emotions push us around and move us along or we can learn how to harness our emotions. We can learn how to float with our feelings, letting them wash over us or how to surf the big feelings, not letting them crash over us, but taking control and riding the wave. So right now, a lot of us are still getting used to wearing these masks. So the anxiety, the waves of anxiety are gonna be high and they're gonna be frequent. As you slowly get used to wearing the mask and you get used to controlling your anxiety, the waves of anxiety are become fewer and they're gonna be smaller. They're gonna be easier to ride. So what is important when you're practicing getting used to a mask is practice it at home. Practice it somewhere safe. You know, put on the mask, feel your anxiety, kind of notice your anxiety, and when you may have to implement some of the skills. And that's the first thing to riding the wave is, you know, observe your emotion. So just step back and notice what you're feeling. Just notice kind of what's coming and going. Don't try and block or suppress any of it, but also don't try to hang on to it. Just notice it. Just let it come and go. And then the second part is practice mindfulness of body sensations. So notice where you're feeling the emotion. Notice how you're feeling the anxiety. And just let yourself experience it and notice how long it stays there before it starts to go down. Remember, you're not your emotion. So just because you're feeling anxiety, it doesn't mean you have to act on it, which is a little bit harder. But you don't have to let it get into a big panic attack if you feel it at the bottom. You can try and catch it early. Remember when times have felt different, when you have felt relaxed. And remember that just like the waves, it'll kind of come and go. And the last one is practice loving your emotions. So this isn't literal. I mean, nobody loves anxiety. Nobody even likes anxiety. But you have to respect, respect anxiety. You know, it is a part of what helps keep us alive. We need anxiety to know when dangers are present. And know that it's okay if you're having anxiety wearing a mask. Other people are too. Everybody's situation is different. So what may be causing me mask anxiety may not be what's causing Linda mask anxiety. But know that it's, you're allowed to feel that way and it's okay to feel that way. But it's what you do to kind of help lower that anxiety that's gonna really be helpful. So try practicing at home. You know, ride out the few big waves where you can in a safe setting practice these skills because it's a lot easier to practice when you're not heightened, when you're not at that eight, nine, 10, when you're in the lower range. So then when you are getting up there, you already know the skills. It's like second nature. You know, you can practice them. Yeah. So now so, Linda, I'm going to pass it back to you. No, actually I have a question for you, Kelly. Um, yeah. So you've talked about quite a few different coping skills here. Uh, also, I want to throw my apologies out. There were a couple of people waiting in the waiting room, so I had to disable that. I did not see that. Um, you know, things like the, the grounding techniques, the five senses, um, distraction, the, the paced breathing. The breathing I've always found pretty difficult. Um, I'm not sure if that's just, well, when I was, when I was researching metacognitive therapy, um, it was something about, I can't let go of the unhelpful behavior because I find value in it. 
right? So I struggled at times to let go of the anxiety and to just do deep breathing almost because my mind had convinced me that by staying anxious, maybe I could potentially predict everything that could go wrong, right? Um, but what are your thoughts about that, like hanging on to anxiety because that serves that purpose? And you know, I've done that in the past where if I'm not anxious about an event, I go, okay, I need to be anxious because if I'm not anxious, this is actually going to turn out bad. If I'm anxious, it turns out good. So, <laughs> <laughs> like having low expectations when you yeah. go to the movies? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but know that nobody can predict what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to sit with is that unpredictability. But nobody knows if there's going to be a second wave or when it's going to hit or how long we're going to have to wear the masks. So we just have to kind of accept what is right now. We have to accept that we have to wear this mask. And, you know, do you want to keep suffering with anxiety? Is it helping you or is it just hurting you in the long run? Because even if you think it's helping you, really look at you know, your mental and your physical and your emotional state, is it just draining you? What is that kind of worth? Is it worth maybe being prepared for something that might possibly happen? Or is it better to try and be relaxed so you can kind of enjoy where you're at right now? Yeah, I, I enjoy there. There's a quote. It's a very, very old quote. And it's something along the lines of, I have lived a thousand tragedies that never actually happened. And that's anxiety, right? That's all of those what if, what if, what if, what if. And when we get stuck in the what if, we aren't fact checking. And then that emotional survival mechanism takes over. And so it can feel so good to just escape. You know, it's like even if you're trying to do something new, we're we're public speaking, or um, it doesn't really matter. Like you're trying to uh, wear a new mask and you're going somewhere you haven't uh, gone before it's, yeah, it's going to feel really, really good to try to escape that. But then there's a negative consequence for you, right? Then you're not able to enjoy your life. You're not able to participate in society. And, you know, so that, that's what really what we wanted to get about or get at today is just how do we relieve that distress while not necessarily fighting over whether or not we should have to follow through. That's a conversation for a different time. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to just pop in a little bit to talk about kids. So this is just going to be a short blip because working with children, again, is a whole other topic. But some of you came forward wanting a bit more information about how to get children to wear their masks. So here's a few ideas. Because children can struggle a lot more than adults in this situation, especially now, because what little control they did have over their routines Uh, The people they get to see, what they get to do every day has been limited or taken away altogether. So they have to have some sense of control. One of the best things that you can do, first of all, is set an example. If the adults in their lives are looking at the mask wearing as, you know, the the responsible thing to do, the the adults are comfortable with wearing the masks, then the kids are generally going to be comfortable too. Um, kids also have to be as comfortable as possible to be willing to wear them. So as Kelly mentioned earlier, uh, allowing your child to choose their own mask, if at all possible, can make a big difference. The right fit, the right fabric, or if not, 
uh, maybe something that uh, represents them. You know, a lot of kids will just go nuts over uh, a mask that has something like uh, Spider-Man on it. Or um, if you can't, or if you're unable to do that and you still are able to get, get or make a mask, the other thing you can do with them is actually um, make it fun by allowing them to decorate that mask. You know, no one's saying that you can't put stickers on your mask each day or, or bedazzle it. <laughs> uh, no one's saying that you can't uh, teach them how to sew little beads on them and really make them representative of them. So you can make it fun. Um, again, masks that don't fit well, they slide down the nose, uh, are, that's not gonna be comfortable. They're probably not going to want to wear them, but. Uh, some will even try to wear ones that represent their favorite team, like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you know, you do you, that's fine. No issue there. For the more adventurous types that feel bogged down by the extra fabric, using imagination games can be the key here. Telling them stories about how the best spies and ninjas use their masks to protect their identities and stay invisible can be a very alluring perspective because it's fun. And again, it gives them that sense of adventure and control. And if you're able to, spending some time playing with them and playing pretend with the masks on at home uh, can really help them get into the spirit of things and get used to the feel. For those with sensory issues, there is no perfect answer. And that is very, very difficult to deal with. I just I wanna put that out there, that if you're a parent of a child that, that is on the spectrum or has sensory issues, it's very difficult to even get them to, to wear a lot of types of clothes, never mind something on their face. But again, allowing them to choose the fit, the type, and also compromising with them. Uh, say we set limits on how long you have to wear it until you get a break. So you have to go to the grocery store and, and you talk with them and you say, okay, 15 minutes if you can do it. And then we park our cart, we go outside for 10 minutes. Just Again, what you're doing is you're giving them control, you're acknowledging that it's difficult for them, and you are allowing them to choose a little bit more of, of how this has to be done, not whether or not it will be. Older children tend to do better when they're trusted with the truth, and they're more likely to wear their masks if they understand by, that by wearing one, they are doing everything they can to keep other people safe and help end this pandemic. Like even for me, I find personally that when I think about it with empathy for other people, that this mask, it's not going to keep me safe. But if I had something, if I had a cold or a flu or, you know, the virus, I may keep other people safe by keeping this mask on my, my face and keeping my droplets to myself. So it's that empathy piece that really makes it helpful for me. Um, you want to avoid scaring them. Definitely don't scare your child, don't guilt them, don't shame them. Just let them know that their efforts will help everyone and make sure to give them positive feedback when they are doing well. You really, really want to emphasize, this is the behavior I wanna see, you're being so helpful, good job. Never ever force a child to wear a mask if they are in a state of panic. In these cases, you, you gotta just do your best to remove them from the situation or use those self-soothing skills that we both know that you've been practicing, right? Because you're practicing them at home so that when it comes down to it and someone is panicking, it's already second nature. You already know to take those breaths. You already know to focus on five things you see, four things you hear. There's 
all of those skills and it's very important again that you're not uh, creating the potential for harm for your child and of course you know the other thing to think about too is that your child once they learn these skills can apply them everywhere they can apply them when they're dealing with separation anxiety applying them when they're dealing with with bullying at school or or being unable to concentrate uh, they can use these for life so the more that you're able to practice with them the better equipped they're going to be in almost every situation of their lives so i just want to say thank you so so much for attending this webinar in person i'm just going to pop over to our chat window right now and let's see here our chat window uh, there's some questions about coverage and booking yes so if you do want to book a session for yourself with one of our very talented kelly mental health therapists uh, just give us a call at our office 807-767-3888 or visit us online at kellymentalhealth.com you can do online booking yourself our online booking schedules are opened up um, for now just to make sure that it's very very convenient um, we're going to be posting this video to our youtube channel and the audio is actually going to go up as our next podcast so again if you like what we're putting out there if you have feedback for us if there's anything that you want to know about that you think we can speak about or joke about at least if there's something that you feel like we can do to help we want to help let us know drop us an email follow us on social media facebook instagram we even have a pinterest we have podcasts that you can follow on Spotify and we do have a YouTube channel now. So once this is posted, what we're going to do afterwards is we're going to be recording um, a variety of videos where we're using those relaxation techniques. And one of our podcasts, I believe it's episode four, it's called Self-Care Sunday. It is a guided relaxation that you can use to go through the muscle relaxation and to go through the calming techniques. You can use it and replay it as many times as you need. So once again, thank you so much for attending. Kelly, thank you for your help with helping me put this together and putting up with me and my, my tendency to leave things to the last minute. And uh, Cassandra as well for promoting it. And if anyone has any more questions, you can drop us an email at info at kellymentalhealth.com. Thanks everyone.